Hello. Oh, fuck's sake. Hello and welcome to the Jackcast, your Swansea City podcast. I'm Matt Barocco and I'm joined as ever by Steve Carroll. Evening, Steve. Evening. Well, there's a whole lot of not a lot to talk about, really, in this podcast. We've got a couple of games to review. Um, two games on the road, four points in the bag. Not a bad return for uh, caretaker manager Alan Sheehan in his two games in charge so far. But we're going to start talking with the main news, or rather lack of news at the moment, Steve, in the man- in a hunt for a new manager, which is um, it's, it's a bit of a stall, but more in the fact that I'm reading into more what we're not hearing about, which is what you'd expect at this time, which is wild speculation, names being thrown out left, right and centre, new bookies' favourites every 10 minutes. And you know what? The more that we're seeing less of that, the more I'm thinking this is a done deal and maybe people know more about this in the background and have been nudged to just leave it go because we're confident of getting our man. And that man appears to be Chris Davis. Yeah, it, is, it has been quite strange, really, hasn't it? I mean, on the face of it, not much has, has really happened. I mean, I don't think we expected a lot at the end of, of last week kind of thing, really. But, um, I mean, I thought that once Spurs had had those couple of games on the Thursday night and then the one on the Sunday, that things would start to move. Well, it doesn't mean that they haven't, but obviously publicly nothing has, has really happened, has it? But, I mean, as you say, um, you know, nobody else is really getting linked to the job. Um so it just implies that Chris Davis is the man and they're just going through the the process of sorting it out, really. So, you know, that, that tells me that, you know, it, it is likely to happen, I think. But um, it's probably taken um, a little bit longer, really, than, than we may have expected, hasn't it? But um, it wouldn't be a shock to me if by the time this recording goes out that we do have a little bit more news. So we do have to bear in mind that we might be Slightly out of date. It is it's Wednesday night at the moment, so um, you know a lot can change quickly, as as we know. I mean, Duff did get fired, you know, a little bit unexpectedly, really, didn't he? As well, in terms of it got to that Monday night, and nobody thought it was going to happen at that point. That's that's what I mean. It's nobody saw it at that point. There's no like an appointment or a sacking or anything that can happen at any time, really, during the day. Or well, I wouldn't say it can happen in the early hours, but we certainly know things can happen up until nine in the night don't we so you know yeah. we'll um we will see but it's it has taken a little bit longer than we would have liked i think hasn't it i think when you look at when the turnaround happened we knew from um post the Coglu's, um interviews and pre-match uh well pre-weekend if you like he had the thursday game as you say in the sunday game and they were asking him about the link with chris davis and the swans and he said then you know what he was asked rather is at the end of it because we were turned down in the first approach and he said well no it's not the end of it if Chris wants to go he's not going to stand his way and that for me was the clearest sign yet that we were very much in the hunt or rather confident of getting Chris Davis so um, that we weren't being deterred by the first uh, rebuttal and uh, as I say he was quite frank about it and he, but he did add that they had a busy week ahead with the two games in four days and so um, absolutely made sense that things wouldn't start moving until those fixtures were done uh, so I would be I would have been surprised if he was in dugout for last night's game at uh, Stoke um, at the bet 365 but that said um, strange things have happened. It's just that we have to deal with the added complexity of Daniel Levy, who's always a delight. Yeah, um, I think it's fairly obvious that he's probably the hardest person to do a deal with, isn't it? Um, I think even Alex Ferguson said, didn't he, previously that I think United wanted to buy Luka Modric, but they looked at it because of the deal that they'd had with Levy for Berbatov mainly, I think, but obviously previously Michael Carrick as well that United were very wary of getting involved. And obviously we, we saw it really in the summer, didn't we, where they sort of abandoned any Harry plans Kane. to sign Harry Kane, didn't they, quite early? And, yeah. You know, they, so they've clearly been scarred, haven't they, by dealing with Levy. So, you know, it's probably, from a Tottenham point of view, it's probably a, a good thing. But, um, yeah, you, you do think sometimes that you need to, you know, get deals done maybe. But obviously he's been very successful in terms of business-wise, maybe on the 
you know, in terms of, you know, Spurs haven't won a trophy for a long time, have they? So I think I can understand why there's been a little bit of pressure there more recently, but everybody knows that Daniel Levy, you can, this point, us trying to, you know, pull a number on him. It's, it's not going to happen. I think in general, you have to pay what he wants or, you know, the fact is we, we need a manager fairly quickly. He could drag it out if he wants to, and but we can't really afford for him to do that. We need to get it sorted. So, yeah, um, dealing with him, not the easiest. And I suppose it just highlights the point that we could have had Davis in the summer when he was unattached. We wouldn't have then paid a lot for Duff. Wouldn't have to pay him up. And um, an expensive mistake, really, isn't it? Well, I was just thinking back to the time when previous occasions where we dealt with Daniel Levin. And at the time, what may have looked like we'd... Um, pulled a blinder when we swapped Michelle Vorm and Ben Davis for Gilfie Sigurdsson. Um, but look now, Ben Davis still starts for Spurs Weekly all these years later. So it does really show um, that uh, he knew what he was doing there as well. you know. And uh, we've since got relegated, so there we go. But he is a hard character to deal with. As you said, there's not many in football who enjoy dealing with him. But... Um, but it's one of those weird ones with managers and assistant managers where there's not really, I know people say, oh, there's a contract and this, that and the other, but the way football goes, there's never really a way to stop a manager. We've seen this summer, of course, Russell Martin going to Southampton. To our knowledge, the compensation still hasn't been agreed with Southampton. And this is, he's been managing them for half a season now, which is a ridiculous scenario. But it goes to show that when you've got coaches, it's treated differently in football to players, even though there's still contracts there, there's almost a case of, well, at this point, if they don't want to be here, there's no case of letting them rot in the reserves or, uh, in this case, maybe putting Chris Davis on guard and leave or anything like that. More often than not, these things just happen at the will of the person um, themselves. And the noises um, that we heard last week we were discussing, um, you know, was that Chris Davis was very much interested in the role and, that to me says uh, that what's happened since kind of validates that view in that we haven't linked other managers. We haven't been chasing others. We wouldn't keep barking up that tree if we asked Chris Davis if he was interested. And he said, no, I'm happy staying here. I don't, not interested in the Swansea job. Then we'd have had to move swiftly on. The fact that we haven't a week later, Steve, tells me that um, there's interest there from both parties. Yeah, um, it, it certainly looks that way, doesn't it? I mean, you know, Duff was fired nine days ago now. I mean, obviously, I think it was last Thursday where it was first announced that we'd been knocked back for Chris Davis. And, you know, on the face of it, it looks like we haven't really done anything since. So I think that's uh, a bit of a giveaway, really, isn't it? That, um, you know, that, that certainly is the way that we're, we're looking. It feels as if, you know, he is our choice. I mean, maybe I'm not saying that we haven't done any background information on maybe somebody else, but it really feels like we're not going to go down the route of anybody else. And the, the club must unless, have an idea that... Unless this Davis goes horrendous. If you know what I mean? He could have... I think the truth is Davis could have nipped it in the bud at the other end if he wasn't Absolutely. interested. Absolutely, yeah. You know, that's the way you have to look at it. And if that happened, I think Tottenham would say something to the press, basically, along the lines of, look, Dave, Chris is happy here, he's not going anywhere. And then obviously that would be the, the cue for us to, to move on and try and give somebody else the job. But... The fact that that hasn't happened, um, you know, we're a week on, as I've said, surely that tells us that a deal will happen at some point and, and hopefully it'll happen imminently. Yes, um, we can't pause this up now because the idea of that sort of statement coming out in the next couple of days would run a cold shiver through my heart <laughs> to have the idea that in maybe Friday or something like that now, Spurs release a listen he's not going and Chris Davis saying I'm not leaving for the Swans at this point having spent this long chasing him would feel incredibly incompetent we we would have had to have known at this point that this was a very much a deal that can happen we just need to make sure that every party's happy with it so um as as we said at the top, as you said at the top, Steve, this might well already be out of date by the time, well, fingers crossed it is. You know, we've been out of date before. <laughs> we probably will be out of date again. So fingers crossed by the time you are listening to this, um, all this part of the podcast is old news and is purely uh, comedy value. But um, there's no real other names being linked. So 
Um, we spoke last week about Chris Davis's potential credentials because, of course, he hasn't managed before, but he has worked under um, Brendan Rodgers at a few clubs. He's obviously working under uh, Postecoglou now at Spurs. Um, very much possession-based, attacking, um, dominant sort of football styles. And those are the ones that we are looking to get back to at, at Swansea City. So um, on paper, at least, he fits the profile. Obviously, there has to be an air of caution of the fact that he's never actually had to run the number one job yet. But um, previous history has said that when we've done this in the past, albeit at different levels, um, we've had probably our best success in our history. So I think in that regards, um, we have to look at that and think we've got to go back to what we were good at, um, especially in this era of football which was give someone the license to tell our players to play with freedom and um, and enjoy themselves. And, you know, that's where, we, that's where we've done our best climbing through the leagues. Yeah, I think so. I mean, like you've got to be, we, we all know when you appoint a first-time manager, it's a, it's a calculated gamble, isn't it? I mean, it, you know it can backfire, but everyone's got to start somewhere. I mean, I mean I'll always hark back to the phrase of, or not so much the phrase, the, the story of when, Pep Guardiola got the Barcelona job. He'd had one season of management with the B team in the lower divisions and it was him or Mourinho. Now, the obvious thing was to give it to Mourinho, probably, but Barcelona didn't go down that route. They took the more risky route of giving it to Pep and it was arguably the greatest decision there's ever been. So, you know, these things can happen. I'm not saying that Chris Davis is going to be like Pep for us, but everyone does have to start somewhere and there's no reason why you know, that shouldn't be um, with us because he is someone that is aligned with the Swansea way, I would say, judging from what we've read, you know, on the coach's voice for one thing and obviously the people that he's he's worked with. So why shouldn't we go down that route? I mean, I'm, I'm all for it. We'll have to be patient to a degree. But I think one key thing, a point I'd like to make here is we need to stop appointing different types of managers. We need to have like a continuation. We did that before, didn't we? Like we had Martinez where we played... Obviously, quite attacking football, really, but it was yeah. dominant Martin possession. Souza, then Rogers, isn't it? Yeah, Successful. that's the thing. Souza was a bit more cautious, but it was still generally, you know, possession. Rogers was probably a in between the two of Roger uh, of Souza yeah, and Martin, was, and that's yeah. perfect. I mean, Laudrup was, you know, more playing wingers inside, but the the fact is, if you go for these types of managers, you're never going to see large squad overhauls. They're always going to like similar types of players, so. You know, you don't need to change so much then every time someone else comes in. And what happened What happened then certainly was that, you know, a different voice that was slightly different tactically gave us an extra string to our bow. And maybe you never know if the other managers had stayed. We might have been a bit more worked out and found it tougher. So it sort of worked for us, didn't it? But I think that's certainly what we need to do now. I mean, we, you know, we, we Porter was total football, wasn't he? Cooper was far more cautious. And then Martin was extreme with possession and now... No one knows what Duff was trying to do because it was so crap. And now it looks like we're going back to more of the Swansea way type that we would, I would say that we want. So can we just please now stop this flip-flop and stop changing and just decide, right, the Swansea way is the way that we're going to do things and then only appoint people with that type of philosophy. Like That's the way to go for this football club. Yeah, I mean... Listen, that's the golden ticket. We can sit here all night and tell and say we want a possession-based attacking manager. Um, Michael Duff presented him that way. Steve Cooper certainly presented himself that way, and a whole host of names that have been linked with the club uh, in this uh, vacancy present themselves that way. It's about finding the ones that are bullshitters and the ones that are genuinely. Um, Think I think Martin. I've said this before. I think Martin was too extreme. I think there's a there's a happy medium there. We spoke about Rogers. Even Martinez, to an extent, was less extreme than um, well, to a large extent, to be honest, he was less extreme than Russell Martin. But um, there's a there's a pattern there between those who are like let's play out with confidence from the back. Now you know there's ways of doing that without putting yourself in a crazy one on one situation every time you take your own goal kick, but um, but it's still a way of playing out with confidence. Martinez, he used to play, well, he introduced the, the triangles, if you like, didn't he, when he was playing them. But that was, again, that was tend to be on the on the edges of the pitch and the touchline where you'd have the, 
you'd have the Rangel and Dyer with Leon Britton coming over to form a third. And then you'd have that triangle formed whereby you could work the ball up the pitch. Then you, you, you play in a keep ball against two players in the middle, which they do in training every day. So it's kind of, it's, it's little methods like that, but it was in an area where it was safe to do so. And um, so I think there's that pattern, but it's also about identifying the managers that say, I want to play football with conviction and those managers that actually do want to play football with conviction. I'm always wary of a manager um, that talks about um, other ways of doing it and other ways because this appointment of Michael Duff has really, was really burnt us in the sense of um, the other way, which obviously we all want to see um, ways of winning games. And, but also it can't be how many times do we say this under Steve Cooper you can't revert to type so easy and go right okay I'll try and play football for five minutes right okay let's go back to the other way of doing it and and just to win the game because otherwise you won't have conviction in the way you want to play and your players will be tempted then just to go for the more direct pass or um, try and get the ball in the box any way they can and um, it doesn't lead then to a, a philosophy does it no, it doesn't. Um, you're looking far more short-term then, aren't you? I mean, with Cooper, if we'd gone up, you know, you, it's difficult to argue with it then. You've, you've got away with it. But the fact is that we didn't. So, you know, that, that meant there was a big rebuilding job. And, you know, I think we need to get away from needing big rebuilding jobs, you know, every, you know regularly. I think we just need to have a style and, and go about it that way. Because, you know, look, we're not a big team. I think that's, everyone would accept that. I think our level is a bottom half team in, in this division which is where we are right now but I mean you could overachieve by being greater than the sum of your parts and having a philosophy that then means you, like I say you don't have to spend loads of money and change things around and all this type of thing so I think that's where we, we need to learn really because you know we we are being our own worst enemy really at the moment because of what we've we've done I mean if, if Martin had, had stayed or if we'd appointed someone similar to him or obviously he'd been given more money in January all this type of thing or that level of backing then even if it hadn't worked out with, with Duff you've then got a, a squad that maybe the next manager will like whereas Davis might come in now if providing he gets the job obviously you might see a few of these players and go I don't really want them and then you're in a position where it's going to be hard to shift some of them because I think there's not a lot of resale value in the squad either and I think that's something that obviously is going to be key for us We've got to be buying players that we think we can improve and look to sell on and then reinvest to make sure that we don't need um, investment from elsewhere to cover any black holes, really. So I think that's that's another key thing for us. It's, you know, we've just got to learn some some lessons, really, because we've spent a lot of money in the summer and obviously we're a lot now changing managers and appointing another one. It's, you know, that, that money could have gone on things that were far better. Yeah, we'll see how it goes because the new managers can obviously try and get a tune out of the players he's got as well as look to bring in his own. And um, it's, an, it's still an absolute speculation at this stage. Um, we do think that at this point, it looks like we've got our headset on Chris Davis. And if that's the case and that's the club, what the club really want, then let's pray and hope that we get the man because um, going back to the drawing board at this stage would feel disastrous. And any manager that comes in but also know very much they weren't first choice, which isn't great. But we want to get this done. We want to get this over the line. Let's hope that, like I said, before you listen to this, um, there has been movement on it. Um, and who knows? Maybe having been brought to his attention, that's the ones he wanted to appoint him uh, seven, eight days ago, Steve, he will have kept a close eye on the two games that have happened since, which was uh, two away games. As I said at the top of the uh, top of the pod, it's um, four points from six. Performances may be left a bit, a lot to be desired. In certainly last night's game against Stoke was uh, was a bit a tough watch. But um, in terms of uh, results or reaction, um, you can't say Sheehan didn't get one from the team because they've, um, they've they've got points on the board. Yeah, I think that was vital, really. I mean, I think when you're in a caretaker spell like this and you're, you're in a little bit of limbo, I mean, yeah, performances are always encouraging, don't get me wrong, but I mean, if you're then going to appoint a manager that wants to do things differently, it's you're not really going to build much by performances anyway. So I think in these two games, we what we needed more than performances on this occasion was some results, and obviously we've managed to get that, haven't we? I think at Rotherham, um, obviously a red card is, is always going to make a difference in there, but 
I do think we deserve to win. I must. I don't think we were brilliant up there, but we did have quite a few chances. We asked them, a, you know, a reasonable amount of questions. I would say. Um, so, you know, it's we've got to be realistic and say that they're bottom of the league and they had ten men. So, you know, it's certainly not a case of, you know, this is a magnificent result or, or anything like that. But at the same time, you can only beat what's put in front of you. So, um, when we're a team that's low on confidence after a bad run. Um, we needed some points on the board, really, didn't we? So, you know, it was it was important for us to to get that result. It wasn't the a vintage performance by any means or anything like that, really, was it? But um, you know, there were there were positives to to take from it, and um, you know, just I think with QPR winning again, I think you know that that result was important from that point of view as well because it meant that we were still five points then ahead of. Um, the bottom three. I mean, you wouldn't want to go two points to within it. Uh, I mean, there'd be quite a lot of teams close by then. So, you know, that would have been um, a concern as well, wouldn't it? I mean, I saw quite a few people that were critical of us at Rotherham, but I didn't think it was it was that bad. So I don't know where you stood on it. No, there was a massive overreaction, wasn't there? It's the same people all the time, knee-jerk reactions to everything. And I think um, when you see... When you see it regularly enough, you can see some people have got these burning agendas and they will only see what suits their agenda, which is a shame, really, because it's been a while since the Swansea fan base have been united. Probably Graham Potter was the last one to get us united as a fan base. And let's hope we can get back to that because people are looking to pick faults and everything. And look, no one's going to sit there and say it was a stellar performance. It wasn't. But what do you expect? We've just gone on a dismal run. We've sacked the manager. We've got, um, we're going to look ahead to a busy Christmas schedule now. And we're going against a team who are going to identify certain games and say, we spoke, well, we spoke in the last pod where we were talking about the games we played at home and underperformed and stuff. And when you look at the games like Hull and stuff like that, and you think, well, we can beat them. And Huddersfield, we can beat them. Um, and then we, rather than we're going to look at Swansea at home and go, this is one of the games you've got to try and pick up points from. And, um, you know, I, I, to be honest with you, the the red card is absolutely crazy. Daniel Ayala is, has done his team a massive disservice because there can be no complaints from his end at all. And to be fair, post-match, because, uh, of course, we're playing against, uh, we've played against two caretakers ourselves in the meantime. Um, but... Uh, they did say afterwards he's held his hands up and apologised for the... They can argue all they want during the game. Um, you can't run away with the ball in your hand when the opposition have a throw-in. That's been made clear since August. Um, that was always going to be a booking. And the second one, he's had two chops at Charlie Patino. I mean, how? what do you want? He's taken one, the rest played advantage, and he's taken him again. Um but what I will focus on you, Stephen, something which I have obviously, as you know, banged this drum for so long until the time comes when the authorities want to take it seriously, which still hasn't happened. It still pays dividends to go up to the ref and encourage him to make a decision. Now, some people listening to this will not like that statement, and I get it. But we have been too soft and we've seen our players get punished because opposition have gone screaming, rolling around, running up to the ref, waving imaginary cards, and then we get done for it and there's no repercussions for them. So if you can't beat them, join them. And what we've seen is I don't think he's getting a second yellow there until three or four Swans players go up and shout at the ref. How do you feel about that? No, it could well be the case, to be honest with you. And I think that you do have to sometimes play the dark arts. I mean, I'm not saying that everyone will be a massive fan of it, as you said. Um, but, you know, at the same time, they've, um, you know, w- what Ayala did was wrong. He was on a booking. So you're thinking, well, come on, ref, you want to do us a favour here? So he did send him off. I did think it was the right decision. It was a dull thing to do, really. So Ayala um, did us a big favour there. And, um, you know, I think once they went down to ten men, my only thought really was we now have to win this game. Like it can't be, can't be thinking oh, a, a draw is okay. Seventy-five minutes against ten, the team that are well, they were twenty-third, but obviously they weren't because Stoke then lost their home to Sheffield Wednesday. But I mean, you've got to be putting teams like that to the sword. I mean, the position that we were in as well. So it was important that we did that, and um, obviously, luckily, we did. But I mean, as you say, we've got that we are we can be too nice. I think that's. That's certainly true, and I think sometimes you've got to just, you know, let it be known that um, 
that you're not as nice as maybe what you look. And um, yeah, look, if that contributed to the red card, then we've done a job, haven't we? Obviously, we're the most um, the most successful time we had at that course, as in COVID with Steve Cooper. It seems like if you get a if you get a purist manager, uh, you're not going to have any application of the dark arts. I do feel like that's been a trend. You kind of have that acceptance but of decisions. I think the funny thing about that was though, as well that we seem to get far more decisions than we ever did previously. I don't know why. Maybe yeah. it's just one of those things, isn't it? But you know, we we said didn't we at the time? Like there were a lot of games that we nicked. I think ironically, one was at Stoke when they were yeah, not one of the softest pens I've ever seen to steal it at the end. I had no sympathy because Stoke have done us a few times like that. And then I think there was that Middlesbrough game when they were they had a goal disallowed that was very harsh. So, you know, um, yeah, look, it's it's a funny one because we've always felt, I think, down here, haven't we, that we've been hard done by by referees. So that was for that spell, it was probably the opposite. But yeah, look, the other day, I don't think we were hard done by at all. Oh, sorry, I don't think Rotherham were hard done by. I think it was the right decision. So, you know, well, he would have made that decision. Otherwise, I don't know. Yeah, well, this is it. This is it. I think the ref would have looked likely taken the easy route out of that and said, um, "Yeah, you know what? It's uh, it's a final warning and, and and wave people away." But you know, he's 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 been drawn to attention. He's had two chops at him, and uh, he's he's getting away from his man. At the end of the day, he's running through midfield at that point. So. I think it was the right decision and the encouragement to get him there ultimately led us to a position where we could get three vital points. So, I, you know, I, I dare any Swans fan to say, oh, you shouldn't have done that because it just feels like you've got to make your own luck in this game. You've got to really, you know, make yourself loud and heard um, because year after year, week after week, we see that, um, you know, teams are wronged and teams are hard done by and you get told these things will even themselves out well. They're leaving themselves out if you help themselves even out. Otherwise, you're just going to get shit on every week. So I think we were in, in a good position there to um to make that uh, referee aware. Um, and they'll complain of the opener, Steve, uh, just before on the brink of halftime. Uh, the cross comes in, finds us all the way to Charlie Patino. Patino knows very little about it. Bounces off his arm, his midriff, whatever it hits, it trickles into the corner of the net and we find ourselves one and up going in half time. Yeah, I mean, with that, I, I'm, initially my first thought was it was handball, but then when I saw the replay from behind the goal, it didn't look as blatant. So, I mean, I, I thought that was uh, a goal, really. I mean, it's it's certainly not the one that we intended to get, but um, yeah, I, I thought it was fair that, that that stood, to be honest with you. So, you know, there was what, what I found quite encouraging in the first half was that Balassi seemed to be getting onto the a lot of those crosses that were coming into the box and he was trying to beat people, which you know is something that we haven't had really. So I, I like that about it. But it was obviously it was Patino on his return to the side, which wasn't a shock, I guess, after um, the fact that he, he bailed out. Uh, well, I say he bailed out Duff. He didn't really, did he? Because Duff still got sacked, but he bailed us out because he he got us a point and. Um, Look, he was in there, and I suppose you make your own luck sometimes, don't you? It certainly wasn't what we planned, but look, I think the way that we've been playing, the results that we've had, sometimes you get some of these stupid goals, don't you? Just to turn your luck where it just hits you or whatever, and that's sort of what's happened, isn't it? So I suppose it's just an indicator that our luck had turned, and um, you know, sometimes you just got to accept that, and you can't moan about it, even if uh, it's not what you were looking for. And then there was that inevitable period after half time. We talk about all the time. The opposition is going to come out. They're going to give it their everything. We discussed this in the last pod where Hull did it a 2 0 down and changed the game just after half time. Rotherham came out. They knew that they had to fight adversity down to 10 men. And um, all of a sudden, uh, they get the equaliser. They, they're putting us under pressure. They're having a few cross come shots, which Rush is going to have to scramble to. And um, all of a sudden, you're questioning which team have gone down to ten. It's it's a worrying trend. I'm gonna allow the team on this occasion in the sense that um, it was a must-win game, and we we simply uh, we weren't mentally in the right frame of mind to to kind of see a game out, go and grab a second, the third, and fourth goal to kind of really stamp home our superiority. Um, and we showed nerves and they, it showed at the first 15, 20 minutes of that second half. Yeah, I think it did. And I mean, 
you know, Rotherham went down the Robert Page tactic, didn't they, of um, just getting long throws and lumping them in the box. And, you know, well, they had a big team tough. as well. Yeah, I mean, they can be tough to defend against when you do that, because if you haven't got someone in your own squad that can take a long throw, then, you know, how can you realistically practice defending against it in training? I mean, you can't, so then you're in a, a bit of a predicament then, aren't you? I mean, it's, it is different to when a, a corner comes in the box. I mean, just with... You know, it, it tends to just hang in the air, doesn't it? And then drop down and it, they can cause havoc. And obviously that's where their goal has come from. So, look, I think they, they made the most of the weapon that they had in their armoury and um, obviously it got them back into the game, really, didn't it? But like you say, we were always going to be a bit nervy about it because we've been on a bad run and, you know, the pressure's on when you're in that situation. Plus, when you are facing 10 men then as well, they would have all been thinking, well, we've got to win this now because we're playing the side that's below us there. They've got a man less for nearly the entire game, and we, we can't let this opportunity go to waste. So, you know, the jitters were always going to come, I think. But um, yeah, look, we luckily after that we we still managed to um, to get a winner, didn't we? Yeah, and it's what seems to be a ever growing um, source of creativity in this team. Um, probably player of the season so far, Josh Key who's delivered a great crossfield ball and they tried to cut it out that last man and they've only managed to uh, loft the ball in the air and Jerry Yates has watched it drop. It must have felt like it took about three minutes to drop as he's waiting for it to and he slotted it under the despairing goalkeeper um, and he's he's celebrating uh, putting the Swans back in the lead and I feel like that was the was the real sucker punch for Rotherham in the spell that they were having at the time, really putting us under pressure the crowd had their tails up and um, that really gave us back that kind of momentum and assertiveness. Yeah, I think so. I mean, to be fair, it was a brilliant uh, cross from Key. I know it got cut out initially, but it does just show that, um, you know, if you put in that type of cross, again, really, we've made our own luck because we've, you know, it's one of those balls that's gone into the corridor of uncertainty. The defender's gone to cut it out and obviously he's not, he has stopped it to a point, but he's not fully stopped it and then it's, Fallen to Yates, and um, it was obviously it was nice to see him get a goal, and it was a, a well taken finish, really. So, look, I, I think we were good value overall. That that's the the truth of it. We obviously sure. we could have blown it, but I mean we we had enough chances to to certainly win that game, and obviously possession wise we dominated it. So, you know, um, I, th- I think we'd. I'm not. There's not going to be any complaints from me over that one. If we hadn't won, there would be. But look, we've we've done what we needed to do. I think we. Like I say, we, we definitely edged it. So, you know, much needed points on the board and a, a nice reward for those that have travelled up there. I mean, it's, uh, it's a long way up to Rotherham and we think when you've been struggling as well, it's not been, you know, the most of enjoyable of the season so far. So, um, fair play to everybody that went and they um, they got their rewards. Yeah, well, if they were um, they were credited, I think the ones that travelled to the Bet365 uh, this midweek could be accused of being crazy because um, it's never been... A favourite hunting ground of ours is at uh, Stoke away. Can you do it away to Stoke on a cold Tuesday night? It's become an old football adage, isn't it? But um, yeah, it's exactly that in the middle of December, isn't it? So we've had to go there again, try and uh, assert ourselves. This, if Rotherham wasn't vintage, Steve, this was uh, this was even further down the the, ple- the pleasurability of watching a football match, particularly a Swans team. Uh, where you expect a certain level of uh, pizzazz. It was, uh, well, it was a war of attrition, I think, wasn't it? We certainly didn't uh, dazzle, and um, it was a battle of who could be less shit, I guess. It's probably a fair description. It was, um, yeah, it was, I think, if I'm honest, these midweek games sometimes, they they can be a bit uninspiring. I'm sure I'm not the only person that thinks that, but... um, I think last night was a very good example of what they can be like. I mean, there's a low crowd there. You know, both teams are struggling. Um, obviously, the fact that we both sacked our managers recently as well, and we, and it just, I don't know, it's probably the type of place where not many wanted to uh, to be there, really. But you know, the Hardy souls that did go, um, they weren't uh, rewarded really, were they, for um, for their commitment because it was not the best of games. I mean. I think that Stoke edged it really, didn't they? I mean, we were very yeah. uninspiring, I thought. Um, you know, but at the same time, we've stolen a point, and I think we've got to be happy with that, given the circumstances, haven't we? But it's certainly not a night that will 
live long in the memory. I mean, it, it looked like a very low following from us. Not that I'm criticising anybody because, you know, why would you want to go up there in a, in a midweek? You know, the literal, the cold Tuesday night at Stoke, it was, which it would have been, obviously. And, um, you know, when you're not on form, it's going to be even less appealing, isn't it? So, yeah, um, we've we've got to be happy, haven't we? I think um, to have, especially the fact that we were losing. And I didn't couldn't see us getting back into it. So the fact that we've equalised late on is, um, you know, definitely a point gained, isn't it? Yeah, I think. Well, to be honest, with you, all the main chances went to Stoke. Um, they had a good, couple of really good ones, which Rushworth did so well to get to, and uh, and claw away from danger. A couple of blocks. The only real chance I can remember of North was. Uh, Josh Key again, um, fantastic work going in for 50-50. How often you see players racing to the ball when it comes towards the corner of the area like that, and the attacker will invariably get there half a yard after the defender, just willing him to kick it into Rose Ed of the stands, which he will, um, to get it out of the initial danger. And that's exactly what I guess everyone was expected to happen when that passage of play happened. But Josh Key actually battled for that 50-50. You see it so rarely. Uh, he battled, won the ball, got down to the, the, down to the dead ball line and cut it back for Jamie Patterson. And, well, the ball bounced up, hit the arm of the Stoke defender another day maybe. Certainly in the other penalty box, there would have probably been screams for a penalty. Um, Swans fans appealed, not given. But apart from that, really struggling to think of much we created in the whole game, which is, um, like I said, it was the opposite of Rotherham, where we create, whilst we didn't play very well, we created a glut of chances to uh, to get goals. This one, not so much. Uh, we were just, um, we were very much looked like towards the end, we were going to hang on and settle for a 1-0 defeat, which is uh, the most uninspiring thing I think you can say. Um, but um, what can only be described as a calamitous bit of goalkeeping has left Harry Darling with an empty net to nod into. Um, and after a great cross by Matt Grimes, uh, the man was able to make amends after conceding the penalty a little earlier on. Yeah, I mean, we're lucky the keeper did a fisher, really, aren't we? I mean, I uh, I couldn't not mention him again, unfortunately. Yes, of, every like, pod, every, every pod. <laughs> but, um, look, it was a bad mistake, but the goalkeeper wasn't it. So, um, it's, it's cost Stoke Dealey. Um, luckily, Darling, having threatened ridiculously at Rotherham to score and didn't, I mean, there was no threat from him last night, but um, the one chance he's had, he's ended up taking. So, like, he's probably do a goal in that sense. But yeah, look, like you say, we've we've nicked it. We didn't create many chances. There was that Fulton chance, wasn't there? And that was a that felt like it was about it, really. So, you know, we, we if we'd lost, we I don't think we could have complained at all. I thought we were, you know, on the night we were poor. I mean, Alan Sheehan admitted it himself to me that we weren't very good. So, you know, um, that's just refreshing. <laughs> yeah, like. I think there is, look, it doesn't really matter usually what managers say at times, does it? But we were all paying attention to it. But there is nothing worse than if you've played badly and the manager comes out and says something different. I mean, you can't fool people, I, I don't think, these days. I mean, you've got to be realistic. People are watching more football than ever. I mean, of course, last night, not, we're not listening on radio anymore. Well, I say, exactly. Of course, last we're night, watch, on radio, but you know what I mean? The red, button or, red button last night, yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. So when you think of it like that, then, like years ago, like you say, if you're listening on the radio, and the manager says something, you've got to take it at face value because obviously quite often you wouldn't have been there. But I mean, when you when we're all watching it as we were last night, and I'm sure most people listening to this were, I mean, if he'd come out and said that we'd play well or anything like that, you're going to be scratching your head thinking, well, he's watching a different game to me. So he at least didn't do that. Did he? he didn't dress it up and say we played well. But look, obviously he's happy with the draw like we all are. So, um, you know, that that's how we have to look at it. And as we, we alluded to it last week, our record at Stoke is terrible. So to get anything there is um, most welcome. I'll tell you what is most welcome. The four points. Because if we do, as we expect, go and appoint a manager from external now and give someone the role um, on a full-time basis, what a big pat on the back they'll give to Alan Sheehan. If he does stay at the club... Um, Fine, I'm, I'm I'm happy with that. You know, he'll get to work under someone else's guidance and hopefully be able to implement someone else's ideas. Um, and oh, who knows? He might get he might have got the hunger now, and he he might want to try a number one job himself. But you'll see how that plays out. But if we do appoint an external manager, uh, his remit to steady the ship, a sinking ship as it was, 
and um, and clamorous away from immediate danger. He's done a sterling job of that, hasn't he? Two games, four points, two away games in those as well. Um, and after us struggling to pick up points against teams around us for most of the season and, and really, you know, try and get up that division, um, it was it was a welcome return to, well, getting some points on the board. Well, yeah, I mean, he's, he has led us to a couple of decent results really that were, were much needed, isn't it? I mean, I, I wouldn't give him the job permanently if I'm, I'm honest about it, but I mean, he may well end up staying. I think he, he probably will as part of the back, backroom team with whoever the new manager is. And um, look, you know, he's quite an inexperienced coach still, isn't he? He wasn't playing that long ago, so he's probably still trying to, to find his way really, isn't he? So, but uh, he did say far better things than Duff ever did, didn't he, in that initial press conference, for example. So, you know, I think... He's definitely seems more aligned with us, I, I would think, than than what Duff was anyway. That although that's uh, that's not exactly uh, hard, is it? But look, um, at the end of the day, he's led us to four points from two games. It's it's a good return. There'll be no complaints about it, and um, you never know how important those four points could be at the end of the season, really. So we've got to be happy. Yeah, of course, and that leaves us. Um in 17th now five points off the drop so it shows how important those four four points were um that as as they came because you know we we look ahead now and one thing we absolutely need to do if we are gonna stay well away from that bottom three is sort out our home form steve um it, it hasn't been pleasant to watch at the at the swansea.com and um we need to address that we need to become a little bit more difficult to play against. We need to make sure the home crowd are very much behind. And I think, I hope that atmosphere will change. The crowds will return and people will get excited about watching Swansea City again because uh, as we welcome um, Middlesbrough uh, to, to our home ground this weekend, it's the first chance really of the new era to try and um, to try and put right some wrongs from this season. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think crowds traditionally at this time of year are never particularly big, are they? Because people are busy to do with Christmas and, um, you know, possibly short of money, which wouldn't be a shock. But, you know, it would be nice to see a good crowd the weekend. I think the weekend after maybe we'll see a better one because it's kids for a quid, isn't it? So I think you'll see a decent thing then. Um, but look, I, I certainly think the atmosphere will have improved on the weekend because Duff wasn't popular, was he? I mean, he took a lot of stick at the end of the last game. So... If you think of it like that, um, he's now gone. So I do think you'll see a bit of a lift in that sense anyway. So, but, you know, it'll, it'll be a difficult game. I mean, Middlesbrough have not been as successful this season as they were last. I mean, they've lost Akpom to, I think he went to a team in the Netherlands, didn't he? And um, he scored a lot of goals for them last season. So I think it's not a shock that they've not been as good this year. But I think Michael Carrick is a good up-and-coming manager. And um, I think it'll be a, a difficult game for us. So, um you know, but like you said, we've got to sort our home form out. I mean, we've got two good home games back to back now. We've got to win one of them, from my point of view. We, we need uh, it has to uh, it has to end. I mean, two wins from ten at home, no win near good enough, is it? Um, and that does explain why partly the reason why we've struggled. So we need to get some points on the board at home. We've got to try and get some enthusiasm going. You think a lot of our fans obviously don't go to away games where we've had four away wins now which if you think about it, isn't a bad total really for this stage of the season. But to only have two at home, I mean, you know, a lot of people haven't, have not seen many wins and obviously they haven't seen a home win for, you know, probably coming up to 10 weeks now. So, you know, we need to try and get some, get, get a result at home and preferably a performance as well, just to lift the mood, I think. Yeah, sure. And Middlesbrough will pose um, different questions. It would, it's hard to know which what sort of team is more difficult to play against. I think at this stage of the season, it's probably easier to play against the ones that are really struggling. I think that might change a little bit as you get to the March-April time when you've got the teams in Middlesbrough's position where you would think, well, you know, how much have they really got to play for? But at the moment, um, after a disastrous start, I think they've they've, they've clawed themselves up to, to, to mid-table and stuff and are... Um, you know, they're still not like firing all cylinders by any stretch. And as we as we record this, they they're drawing at home to Hull, um, which which kind of epitomises where they're at really at the moment. Um, but it's it's where we want to be, isn't it? It's what we want to be doing, and and I think ultimately 
when we go in from pillar to post with managerial appointments, moving from one philosophy to another, um, what's going to be really important is, yes, we want to see progress. Yes, we want to see development in players and playing styles and stuff, but we are going to have to have patience with it. And we might have to wait a couple of months before we really see the fruits of our labour on the training ground. And it's a hard time to come into a club if we do get a manager this week because he's got games every couple of days now up until the new year. So how do you really work on the training ground when you've got to factor in rest days in that and trying to make sure and all the travelling that's involved as well? Um, you're not going to have a lot of time to really bed in any ideas in the, in the short term, Steve. No, I think next week will be his best chance for a while, really, because the Christmas period, as we know, is always very hectic. Um, and then you're looking really on with the, the first full week of January. So, you know, it's it is going to be um, it, it is going to be challenging for a new manager to come in at this time. But I mean, having a lot of games, he'll, he'll have a, an opportunity to possibly uh, rotate as well. Um, so, if you think of it like that, it's a good time for him to assess what he's got, at least in games. And, um, you know, see what, if he thinks he, he needs us to bring anybody in in January. But, yeah, like I say, in terms of working on a lot of things behind the scenes, it's, you know, that is going to take a bit of time. It's not an ideal for a manager who wants to put his ideas across to, to come in in, in a sense of work on the training ground. But, look, it is what it is. At the end of the day, he's, in a, he's coming into a situation now where we have at least had a couple of good results when there is a, some, a gap between us and the bottom three. So, it's not a case of we, we desperately have to get results now, if you know what I mean. We do need some, but it's not a case of, you know, we're looking at games and calling a must win or anything like that. So that's uh, that's a good thing. And, um, you know, we're, we've just got to be patient that we Rome wasn't built in a day. Yeah, and I think, as you mentioned there, and you allude to it, what we don't want, it, what you didn't want to get. And if we hadn't, if we had lost both games, we'd have ended up point outside the bottom three and we can't introduce a manager certainly a rookie manager into a firefighting situation uh survive at all costs you know the kind of one you call up a you know a neil warnock for in this division really isn't it and you say right you know we need you to keep us up perform miracles and um that's not we wanted to turn a page we wanted to kind of get back to what we know we can do and be good at um and for that you do need a bit of breathing space because you do need a few a few weeks where the results may not necessarily go your way um, and not be under immediate pressure from that. So um, this is why I think Middlesbrough on the weekend is a perfect opportunity for us to really, you know, push ourselves to to get further away from that area and allow ourselves the breathing space to be a bit more expressive, show a little bit more confidence, and stop being so nervous about throwing away leads and ending up. Um, losing games. Um, there's periods in Swans games, certainly after half times and stuff like that, which we need to address. There's a, a for me, Steve, it's a mentality, it's a psychological issue, and uh, and we we almost scared of waiting to see what the opposition going to do. Oh shit, they, we're winning now. They're obviously going to come at us. Well, let's wait and see what they do. And we stop trying to impose ourselves on games. So I mean, there's a lot of issues at the club. We talk about personnel issues where the physical characteristics of the players may not be what the new manager wants but also you've got the general mentality issue where you you need to address certain things that we see repeating patterns in games as well yeah absolutely there is a there is a lot for the manager to to work on really isn't there i mean we've defensively we've we've conceded too many goals really i do obviously we have improved in some areas with it i think i do prefer us playing with a back four which is obviously the same as what you think um yeah, but I mean, I think Balassi coming in is a help because obviously we've been there's been square pegs and round holes, isn't it? And um, I think bringing him in uh, certainly at Rotherham anyway did sort of help in that situation because you know we're not playing as many people out of position then with that, so that has to be um, a good thing. Um, so it's just about that trying to see what how we can get the best out of um, of what he's got really at the moment and seeing what he urgently needs in January and, and, and what we can do. So, you know, this like this will it'll be a demanding job for, for Davis or if somebody else gets it without a doubt. But at the same time, it's a really good job. Um, you know, I mean, how many, I always say there's only 92 jobs. We are in the the top 40 of jobs in the country. Um, so, you know, and if you're a first-time manager, 
not that many clubs are willing to give people a chance. So, you know, you've just got to grab it with both hands. I think what I would say is that when you do appoint a first-time manager, that I think usually what you see is that they will work day and night for it because they know that if it goes wrong, they may not get another chance. So, you know, I think you'll see certainly more commitment than from the previous manager who, uh, you know, was uh, not here as often as he should have been. Yeah, I think there'll be assurances needed both sides. Um, he's not going to want to come in and be kicked out in, in eight, ten weeks' time if the results don't come immediately. Um, and he needs our owners to buy into his idea of what we're, where we're going to go as well. So um, in that regard, as I said earlier, patience will be required. And, well, whoever it is, whether it's Chris Davis or not, we'll need to be patient and make sure that um, we don't end up in this situation again in a few months' time, which is uh, which would be disastrous for the club. So um, there's, there's that been general decline uh, year on year of the Swansea City down the league, relegated, then you finish mid-table and the same again. And Cooper got us in the playoffs twice, but the, the football subsided as a result of that. And then the general drop-off. And now we are appearing, as you say, to be a bottom half championship team. This is where we change it. This is where we turn it around and um, we get back to what we can do, which is, as you mentioned at the quite a while ago, is is performing uh, greater than the sum of our parts, which is what Swansea City did so well and why we punched above our weight to seven years in the Premier League. So ultimately, we want the same thing as the 91 other clubs want, which is successful, attractive football. There's not a fan in the country that doesn't want that. But there's not many clubs who really know how about to get it. And we're one of the ones that have experience doing that. Let's hope we get it right. Let's hope we move on and we move up that t- that table. Um, and ultimately, let's hope this podcast is all irrelevant. Because by the time you listen to it, we've got the man that we want. He's in the hot seat. And we can look ahead to hopefully a more fruitful second half of the season than the first. Um, Steve, leave us with a bit of positivity. Um, I am optimistic that we will get Chris Davis in and I think, I'm not saying we will win Saturday, but I do think we will win one of the two home games coming up. So, you know, um, yeah, that will put us into a better move as we go into the Christmas period. There we go. Fabulous. Well, thanks, Steve, as ever. We'll be back uh, next week after... We've concluded the Middlesbrough game and we'll be hopefully, well, I really hope by next week's podcast, we'll be able to do a full rundown on what we think of the new manager um, or speculation at the moment, but that's subject to change at any point, we think. So, um, yeah, Steve, we'll um, we'll be back next week, won't we? So, uh, from myself and him, thanks for listening. Bye-bye. (laughs) 